Hi, my name is Zara. And my name is Maisha. And you're listening to That's What They Said. Where we break down the them versus us narrative. Hi everyone, hope you all are doing well. It's been quite a while since we last came on this podcast and had an episode, but it's obviously because of the COVID-19 situation. Maisha and I have been in our own homes. We live quite far away from each other, so we haven't really been able to meet up and we're practicing social distancing as we all should be. And we're trying to stay safe and keep everybody around us safe as well. We're actually recording the episode on Zoom. Oh, Um, yeah. (laughs) So, you know, we're not actually physically together because we live uh, a bit far far away. away. Yeah, and we want to practice social distancing and you know protect each other's health at the end of the day mm-hmm. yeah and um this is the first time that we're ever doing yeah. recording through zoom or any sort of um app like that so we might have a bit of interference and not the best sound quality but you know you do what the time calls for yep. yeah so i hope in the meantime you've been getting a chance to catch up on all of our older episodes our instagram and whatnot so i'll give you a quick rundown on our social media handles for Instagram, you can follow us on at that's what they said podcast on Apple and Spotify, as well as pretty much any other place that you get your podcast. You can listen to all of our episodes. And then if you do want to reach out to us on Twitter, you can do so at, at what they said CA. So yeah, before we dive into our episode today, which I think from our um, episode name, you can understand is going to focus on mental health. Uh, we want to give a shout out to healthcare workers, all the doctors, nurses, hospital staff, and all the essential service workers, which is the grocery drivers, mm-hmm. the delivery, sorry, grocery store employees, delivery drivers, sanitation workers, garbage yeah. people. We, we want to give a shout out to you, uh, especially to our healthcare workers for doing all that you're doing because every day that you're going to work, you are making a sacrifice because mm-hmm. you are placing the work that is essential uh, to the service, essential to the daily lives of people like us or, or everyone really. Uh, you're prioritizing that. So thank you for all that you're doing. And honestly, I don't know about everywhere else in the world, but in Vancouver at seven o'clock every day, we do a cheer and shout for, for, the, all, for all the essential workers and today I was outside and I, I was in a very busy area because it's been nice and sunny out there's a lot of people outside today so there's a lot of cars outside too and everybody was honking and like I've never heard this much honking in Vancouver so it's quite a nice feeling that everybody in Vancouver is coming together to thank the essential people. workers. It's like a symbol of solidarity, right? Mm -hmm. And just like healthcare workers, all of us need to take care of ourselves too. And -hmm. that's why we decided to do this episode. So today we're talking about COVID-19 versus mental health. Before we dive into that, we just want to give you guys a latest um, roundup of uh, coronavirus-related numbers. So the number total number of infected people in the world has crossed 2 million. It's currently 2.3 million. Uh, The total number of deaths is 160,717. That is a lot. I think even as as I'm saying these numbers, it's it's quite a lot. Currently, almost 3 billion people across the world are in lockdown, like complete lockdown, uh, or in some some form of strict social distancing measures in place, which is almost half the population of the world. And uh, the source of these numbers were John Hopkins University. Mm -hmm. So today we're talking about COVID-19 versus mental health, because mental health, although it's being highlighted more in today's time, it's kind of taken a back seat during this COVID-19 pandemic because where our focus really is is on the economy, on health, on obviously the, the counts, the number of cases, the number of deaths, and rightly so, they should be in those places, but we can't forget about mental health because that obviously will have lingering effects even after this pandemic passes. And just to give you guys some reference, Morneau Chappelle, they release a mental health index every month. And the benchmark usually is 75, the rating is 75. And right now it's at a 63, which is a 12 point drop from the benchmark. And the times when that happens is usually when there's major life disruptions or say disasters or war. So to think that we can compare the situation that we are in right now to those horrible disasters is so concerning. And it obviously has a huge impact on our mental health. And that's why I wanna talk about that because you know, life has changed now. We have a new we have a new normal, which probably everybody's been seeing on social media. That that word has been kind of going around. With the new normal, there's new realities that we're living in. 
you know, the main new reality for everybody is that, that kind of isolation that they're facing. The major thing is everybody who's been working, they've been working from home. So they've been either living alone and working from home or they have maybe their family with them, a few people from their family or maybe some roommates. You're studying from home, you might be taking online classes. And the thing with studying from home as well is if you're an international student, that can cause so much stress for you as well because you're not really certain about where you should go because right now maybe where you are isn't your permanent home. Yeah, you're stressed because not everything's probably going the same, right? Your new tasks are different. Your daily routines are different. And then there's obviously the people that have to go to work. The healthcare workers, yes, other essential service workers like grocery, delivery trucks, as well as people who I would say like myself, who have to go to work just because our job is not easily transitioned into a work from home setup. Yeah. So that's the new reality that we're living in. Yeah. And like in my case, I was, I am able to work from home. So, you know, I'm thankful for that, that I'm able to do that. But even then it's a new reality because I am, you know, I have a roommate, but at the end of the day, a lot of my friends who are like, you know, for and I'm an I'm an immigrant, so for me, my friends are family. family. So to not be able to see them every weekend, which I did, is uh, is stressful. And to indefinitely be working from home is a whole new reality. And just one thing I want to add uh, to what Zara mentioned before is in the conversation around COVID nineteen, I think everyone is sort of, and because you know our podcast, we look at like a you know, this versus that situation. Um, COVID-19 is a pandemic. The last time the world faced a pandemic like this was the Spanish flu around 1918. Uh, in, in between, in this 100 years, of course, there has been crises in different parts of the world like SARS and Ebola virus and Zika, but these were limited to a few countries. Um, yeah. Nothing like this. which and definitely was, not felt around the world like this. Exactly. In terms of everybody's everyday life. Exactly. And the, the key word being everybody being afflict, affected by it uh, from, you know, east to west, north to south, even up all the way to this. Zara and I were looking at John Hopkins' website and we saw that even Greenland, which is yeah. the northernmost country, even they have a, a couple cases. Um, so I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's coronavirus has essentially pitted. It's like the virus against us and our lives have different facets, mm -hmm. you know, the, um, there's the economy, there's of course health and there's of course within health, mental health that a lot of the, during this conversation is, is, uh, it, it has taken a backseat. And one thing we want to recognize is, you know, we live in a country, we live in a part of the world where the conversation around mental health is still happening with respect to COVID. A lot of the pearl, a lot of, uh, a lot of the parts of the world, the conversation might not be happening. So even mm -hmm. if you don't see that within, even to the people who are listening, if in your country, if that conversation is not happening, I think the one thing we hope you do take away from our episode today is some sort of, um, you know, uh, advice or tips, which we will go into later in the episode, uh, yeah. where which you can implement for your own life or your family's life. And that or your friends. Or, cool. yeah. No, but, um, you know, that's a good point you made about just taking away from this episode. Like, I hope that for, for places where um, maybe mental health isn't such a main important factor in everybody's life. I hope that maybe this can encourage you to reach out to friends who you think might be going through something during this time because of just, you know, their history, right? Mm -hmm. So definitely yeah. what we're trying to achieve here. And yeah, and like the new, the word new reality itself kind of is stressful because change is stressful, right? Yeah. So like for me, I am still having to go to work. Mm -hmm. I, I sometimes work from home. I sometimes go to the office. Just because I work for a small company, we don't have the resources or the means to really shift to a work from home setup. And then we were given the choice, obviously, if you want to take a layoff option or if you want to work from office. And obviously, I'm an immigrant. I don't have family here. I don't have anybody really. So I have to look up for myself. So I need to work. Yeah. yeah so your reality is stressful for both yeah. of us. And, and, I, and, <laughs> and that's I, where we are. Yeah. And I think that these new realities are the antithesis of who we are as human beings, which is at the end of the day, we are social beings. We have evolved, you know, undergone evolution through thousands of years to help each other survive, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, think about, you know, thousands of years ago when Homo sapiens or Neanderthals I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, <laughs> they used to be in groups together, right? In their own tribes or clans. They would mm -hmm. help each other hunt, cook, uh, yeah. food. So to right now, 
like four months ago, no, in no one's uh, vocabulary, physical distancing. Um, I know people, so, you know, a lot of people say social distancing, but I, I prefer physical. Distancing. Yeah, because you're not able to physically see each other, but there's still virtual means through which you can stay connected. But anyway, coming back to the point, I think this whole new reality of physical distancing or that you can't really go to a restaurant with your friends or you know go to a movie with your uh boyfriend or girlfriend because theaters have closed down or you can go to you can't go yeah. to an amusement park take your kids to an amusement park this whole new reality it's it's so uh, different it's opposite of what we want to who we are which is social beings and you know mm-hmm. this has a huge impact on our mental health uh it is uh it is like it's, it's a traumatic event and you know when when human beings are going undergoing through any trauma or a difficult situation you know you you're always in like your survival mode to, to just kind of get through but once this is all over you feel more anxious, more depressed, or even right now, actually, I'm sorry, um, I think you feel more anxious, you feel more depressed. Um, and once this is all over, you will see a rise in PTSD. Um, even a lot of COVID-19 patients who have recovered, or healthcare workers especially, they will feel a lot of PTSD because what everyone has to go through right now is quite traumatic and quite difficult. Uh, people are worried, you know, that they about either uh, getting COVID-19, getting becoming infected with it, or spreading it if you have it. Um, they're worried about their family and friends who might already be ill, and then people are worried about losing their jobs, right? And whether they'll be able to make ends meet, uh, yeah. especially when you're shouldering uh, responsibilities of other people like your kids or your parents. So there's a lot of things that are at play here for uh, people. And I think it's, it's important to understand the depth of that, that, you yeah. know, it's important to not only just focus on the physical health part of health, but also the mental part of health. Yeah. So I, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and I was going to say like there's many different types of people that are at the risk of mental health mm-hmm. issues arising from this pandemic. Everything that you mentioned right now is obviously something that all of us are kind of facing and yeah. going through. But um, even there's even more deeper into that. Like that's just kind of the surface mental health issues that we're all going through. But there's even when you dig deep into it, like there's really and I, I like that you used earlier on mental health pandemic. COVID-19 <laughs> pandemic is going to lead to this mental health pandemic. And I, you know, continuing from what Zara saying that people who are most at risk, most at risk of mental health, uh, I think firstly, um, healthcare workers, um, doctors, nurses, hospital staff who are, you know, on the front line, uh, treating COVID-19 people. And, uh, essentially I think a lot of frontline workers, uh, studies have shown that many people, many of the frontline workers in China, Italy, in the U.S., who treat COVID-19 patients are now suffering from depression, anxiety, insomnia, and distress. Um, in Italy, at least two nurses on the front lines of COVID-19 have reportedly died by suicide. Um, and that's, oh, that's really unfortunate, right? Because, yeah. um, and then another concern that a lot of healthcare workers have across the world is whether they have supply to the uh, proper personal protective equipment to treat their patients right because especially uh, for example in the uk um the nhs the national health service has said that within uh, a very i think within a few weeks they're going to face a huge shortage of personal protective equipment and i think the concern and the plea from healthcare workers has been that you know they want to do their responsibility they want to help and treat people but yeah. they don't want to do that under the stress that they do themselves don't have the proper equipment that they might contract it and in turn and then give it to and you know spread it to their families when they go back home every night and another is and you know it's, it's important for us to consider that you know healthcare workers here are making a lot of times they're they're making decisions about life because i think uh, in a lot of countries because i think everyone knows there are shortages of ventilators so in a lot of countries what's happening is doctors have to decide which covid patient gets a ventilator so yeah, for you right to about someone's life and then considering how many people are dying and the rate at which they're dying for you mm. to actually give that bad news you know or yeah or just even, just even witness it you know to witness so many people losing their lives especially such elderly people losing their lives it's it's it's, it's really it's it's a tra- it's a traumatic event it, it it and you know as you said about loss of lives just think about you know like in hospitals there's like i think in new york which is like new york city is one of the worst affected areas in the world i think hundreds of people are dying in a day some hospitals are facing 100 deaths a day so that's yeah 
horrible to see 100 body bags. So healthcare workers will they're more, more likely to go through PTSD after, uh, during and after this crisis. And um, I think it's, it's important that we, that we recognize, you know, that the risk that they have uh, to undergo this, for them to go through this mental health pandemic. Yeah, and, you know, just to add to that, they, what, many of them, like as you were saying, they go back home to their family. So they're, not only are they worried about maybe transferring that virus onto their family members, but many people are actually staying in hotels or staying in um, other places to, to make sure their family doesn't get sick, right? So they don't have that support system that they maybe normally would. Yeah. So that's yeah. another thing that can lead to them not recovering from the negative thoughts and yeah. um, the feelings that they've been developing, right? So and I think they're definitely one of the highest at risk of having a lingering mental health problem after this yeah. pandemic and during as well. And I think it's, it's uh, you know, uh, to add to that, I think to a lot of people who are listening to us, you know, if you look up, there are a lot of countries where healthcare workers are facing extreme uh, social stigma. Um, for example, in India, it's been reported that a lot of healthcare workers, their landlords have evicted them, essentially not let them come back to their own home saying, you have, you're treating COVID patients, you can bring back the illness. So we can't, we're not going to let you live in the house. And that's, ridiculous because and if anyone who's listening if you know anyone or if you if you if you just know that you know people have this are harboring this mindset it's important to understand that a um healthcare workers are taking as much precaution as they can if not more yeah and secondly they are the people who one way or the other will save you or people who you know so Mm -hmm. it's important to give them the respect that they deserve because what they're doing is they're putting their lives on at, at risk so we have to honor their sacrifices. And just um, in addition to the healthcare workers, you know, I've heard many reports as well as from my friend that say people like pharmacists as well as grocery workers, they've been getting a lot of assault, like insults and whatnot while they're at the grocery store. It's happened, I've seen it happen in front of my eyes once. Mm-hmm. One person was getting mad at someone at the grocery store for not work at the grocery store for not wearing a mask. But, you know, the main thing is like, Mask or not, like as long as you're washing your hands, you're sanitizing, you're being careful, you're maintaining that distance, it's okay. So you cannot just be losing your shit on someone mm. who is essentially putting in extra hours and work to protect you and to get you your needs, right? Mm-hmm. So like, we have to be more empathetic towards them because like really they're going through a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe we're scared, obviously, but we cannot take it out on them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then... After healthcare workers and other essential workers, another group of people that are highly at risk of mental health problems after this passes and during is COVID-19 survivors Mm -hmm. of people who have COVID-19 because number one, they're going through the worst here. The COVID-19 symptoms are really bad. The difficulty breathing, it can really, really already put you in such a bad position. And when you're already sick and down, then you're just thinking about all the other effects of this virus and you're thinking about your future. There you are putting bad thoughts into your head, you're getting anxiety, which might lead to depression. So COVID-19 patients are extremely high at risk of having mental health issues. And really when they come out of this, they're gonna need resources to recover resources from the government, resources from their families and friends, just and access to their therapists and everybody. So they can recover from this because PTSD obviously is one of the major ones. Like I was saying before, that mental health index, we usually reach that when it's like a major disruption in life or disaster. But for them, this is a major disruption in their life. So their mental health is at a low point. Especially COVID-19 patients who are hospitalized because Mm -hmm. within hospitals, it's just more chaotic. Um, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, it's definitely more chaotic. And then even in hospitals, when you're put on ventilators, you have to be given medication while you're on it. And those those medications can cause a lot of other side effects, including confusion and just the feeling of overwhelm, right? Mm-hmm. And that obviously adds to your any sort of negative feelings and issues that are developing inside of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, another group of people who are at risk uh, of this, of you know, going through a mental health pandemic, sort of, is people with history of mental health issues. Um, you know, underlying mental health issues. These can, you know, it can range from people who have anxiety and depression before to different other mental health conditions. Um, I think. You know, you're already you if you are either currently battling or have already recovered uh, from these issues. But so right now, this new reality just 
throws you into a new uncertain world, right? And if you can either relapse sort of into, you know, you can go back into the depression, go back into that anxiety, or you're other, if you are, you, I'm thinking that, you know, you, it could be so many things, right? You could be bipolar. Um, it you could be that. Yeah. Exactly. So a lot of those issues might just become worsened by this new reality because uh, we are facing a lot of these mental health um issues require you to have access to your therapist your counselors your psychologist your psychiatrist and you might yeah. not have access to that right now a lot of it has been cut off just because you can't physically visit them and maybe online and video calls is not that available for each um uh, specialist therefore this uncertainty this change it's it's a traumatic event and you know it, for for a lot of us it is a traumatic event and those with underlying mental health issues it's a new challenge it's like an, another layer of challenge for them yeah and especially imagine if you're a COVID-19 patient with already pre-existing uh, mental health issues right you're not getting you're not getting your regular you're not getting your therapy sessions your meditations your this your that and I think when when you come out of this and while we're doing this I know many countries are taking the effort to um, really provide that tele- telemedicine I think it's called yeah it's like telehealth yeah Telehealth, yeah. So they're really like they're trying to get access to telehealth to people or like just online access to many different um, resources. And I hope like after this pandemic passes, yeah. that that is still as available. It's not just available as an emergency measure right now, but more as a permanent measure because we don't like just having a generation of people or like a group of people just going to tell the truth in the long run. It's not going to be good for economy or anything. Mm-hmm. So we really have to like make sure. Obviously, we can't make sure, but I hope governments and everybody do take that as a serious thought yep. they have to when this ends they have to put mental health as a priority yep. along with the economy and everything mm-hmm. else mm-hmm. yeah so yeah like people who have mental health issues also can go into people who have addiction issues or substance abuse issues right yep. and similar to people who have mental health issues they're not getting their access to their support groups to their uh, counselors to their therapists to uh, their doctors and whatnot, right? So yeah, no, a lot, uh, a lot of uh, ed- like addiction patients, um, they have to go for like you know um, these uh, regulated dosage of like yeah uh, for like methadone and stuff. So mm-hmm. they might not have access to those clinics anymore. Yeah, but yeah, they do have to go for that. They, they get like um, I think there's centers where you can get injections. Yeah. That, are, that are sterile, that are um, kind of like pharmaceutical level things that can be found at the pharmacy. So like they're not getting access to those and that's helping them stay off of street drugs, right? Mm-hmm. So on one hand, they're already addicted and they're, they've been taking harmful substances with many with fentanyl mixed in and whatnot. Yeah. And now, now they're not even able to take what is kind of helping them get off of it, yeah. like their treatment, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I was actually looking into this and I was reading about it somewhere and Many, many people who have addiction issues and substance abuse issues, they are having to have, make this tough decision between do I stay at home and socially isolate and, you know, prevent myself from getting COVID-19 or do I go outside and prevent myself from getting dope sickness? And dope sickness is basically what you get when you're, when you're um, trying to, when, like withdrawal symptoms, essentially. Like it's a sickness that you get from withdrawal symptoms. It's yeah. like vomiting, nausea, the feeling of like bugs crawl, yeah. crawling in your skin. And it's just, it's not a good feeling. So that feeling, they 100% know that they're going to get that feeling if yeah. they don't go and get their like safe injections or their safe supply of drugs from their doctors and whatnot, right? But they're not 100% sure that if they go outside, they're going to get COVID-19. So they're going to take that risk and they're going to go outside because otherwise life is just going to be health for them, right? Yeah. And that's such a difficult place to be in, right? And on top of that, they're not getting access to their shelter, to rehab. Mm-hmm. And what that leads to eventually is it could lead to more addiction. It could lead to depression. It could lead to suicide. And it's just, there's no winning here. Yeah. I, I even think that a lot of homeless people, right, they they have a, uh, addiction problems. And they were, I know that in Vancouver, um, uh, the city authorities try helping uh, addict, addiction patients, especially the homeless people who are addicted by opening like clinics where you can do like sterile, uh, in, sorry, safe injection of like to treat you. And a lot of those have been shut down just because of this new reality where you yeah. can't ensure social distancing so a lot of facilities have had to shut down so it's 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 just i can't imagine what these people are going through they already are battling with something and then now it's like a further it's like another obstacle that's been added yeah and then there's just a a simpler simpler like 
problem that's come from this is um, I was listening to a podcast actually that was talking about the Vancouver downtown east side area. There's actually a street where we have a lot of homeless and um, uh, just like really vulnerable patient, vulnerable people living in that area. And many people were saying like they were interviewing some of the people there and they were just saying like, yeah, I go up to people and they don't even say hi to me anymore. They don't even want to acknowledge me anymore. And it's like these people are already suffering through so many issues. They're kind of criminalized almost and they're feeling neglected from society. So just having their friend who's going through the same thing maintain their distance from them and ignore them is, is bringing a level of bloom to the daily life that's contributing to their already existing conditions. And um, I think the last group of people who are, you know, also at risk of mental health would be everyone. Um, oh. Yes, <laughs> everyone, right? Um, uh, the rest of the people that includes, um, and that includes uh, seniors as well. I think seniors are another group that are at high risk just because a lot of seniors in um across the world and I think especially in developed countries they live in care homes or seniors living facilities and a lot of them are able to see that you know have families visit them anymore because it's been restricted no that's so sad you know it just means that they're undergoing more experiencing more loneliness now and to experience that at an old age it's um it's difficult and loneliness can lead to a lot of anxiety a lot of depression and um it it can cause it can aggravate your physical health conditions actually yeah yeah no i feel really bad thinking about that even with my mother she's she lives alone because my sister lives with her in-laws and i live here in canada and And she has such a she lives in taka she has such a busy life usually i can barely get two minutes of her time on a regular day and now she's home all day and Mm -hmm. she's actually thankfully she's vocal about her feelings but she calls and tells us i i'm lonely i need someone to talk to give me a call so I'm like, not everybody can do that. They just kind of sit there and yeah. get worse in their condition. So yeah. it's really, it's really upsetting to think about that. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's everything has changed overnight, right? Like what you mentioned with your, between, between you and your mom, right? I think life and relationships have changed because of what has happened in this new normal. And uh, just to give you a, a small, like to quantify this change, um, uh, the Canadian Mental Health Association in one of their branches in uh, Nova, Nova Scotia uh, used to field uh, an average of about 25 calls a day for mental health support they would get. Now, mm. since COVID-19, uh, she's, uh, the number of calls that this particular location, Nova Scotia, has gotten has risen to more than 700 a day. And Right? And that's, I'm just trying to do the math in my head, and that's more than a 20-fold increase. Uh, yeah. So that's pretty crazy. And when you think about that, that, you know, I've, I feel blessed and I think we're privileged to be living in a country, to be living in a part of the world where mental health issues are prioritized. For example, Canadian Mental Health Association, you know, there is an association, there are centers where you can call Mm. to get, no, know more about resources and help that you can get. But then you think about other parts of the world where this is not a conversation. So I think um, this whole, sorry, go ahead, Sarah. Yeah, like on that note, um, just going back to kind of the addiction section, there's actually a drug users association that kind of fights for the rights of drug users. That they're the ones that can set up these safe injection centers and safe mm-hmm. supply mm-hmm. of pharmacy drugs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just saying like we are actually lucky that we have these, yeah, exactly. these um, associations right. looking out for everybody. Yeah. And uh, so I think under this new normal, there is a the, you, we face a loss of control, right? Because we there's this uncertainty, there's change, and of course, uh, for a lot of people, for 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 everyone, really, it's uh, it's it's about oh, like job security, whether um, your current job will you still have it in mm. a few months or a few weeks or we next definitely day. are going through that. Right? Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, because I mean, uh, touch wood, but Zara and I are still in our jobs um, we're employed and we're blessed for that but at the end of the day um you never know right i mean that that concerns also on everyone's mind about whether you're going to get laid off in the next few weeks or a few months or whether you're going to get furloughed uh which is where i think um you're still working you're paid but you're not working um like a leave of absence yeah exactly And, and for a lot of people i know that um it's like they they got they were in the process of interviewing for jobs or got job offers, but then those got rescinded or the process got stopped because companies have a hiring freeze in place because mm-hmm. considering the new economic climate, companies don't want to invest in hiring people and you know incur that cost. So I think um, and then 
the so the bigger stress in general that everyone has which is of an economic collapse right yeah that's definitely a fear in everybody's head to the point where people are out there now trying to protest social distancing because they think the economy is going to collapse yeah and it's not to say that their worries aren't valid but like it's such a huge issue right i think i think um one thing that Donald Trump said during one of the <laughs> conferences, and um, a lot of the things he says is very, uh, you know, it's very uh, dismissible <laughs> and contradicts facts by health experts. But one thing that he said, I remember he said that, you know, he doesn't want the cure, which is, you know, with all these lockdowns and social distancing measures. He doesn't want the cure to be worse than the disease because, you know, I think he said this once in his press conference that he's worried that a lot of people who get laid off and who don't have jobs they they might become so depressed they might you know because he was worried about the suicide suicidal rate because he was concerned mm-hmm. that people might be pushed into that so as much as a majority of, his, of the stuff he says is very anti-science and anti-facts um he that That's was an undeniable fact yeah. yeah and that was an important point that he brought up right and that is now being shown by a lot of people across the united states where in many states like in texas um people have come out and are protesting which is really against the social distancing measure yeah and in michigan but, as well yeah yeah but they're doing that because they're just so worried about how much longer can you be on government payments and it takes so much time to get government payments mm-hmm. going so it's it's difficult it's difficult when you have to think about how you're going to pay rent the next day it's difficult when you have to think about how you're exactly. going to because you know not everyone's able to not everyone's able to work from home right so the majority yeah. of these people are people that have been laid off so they are seeing the effects of on their finances right so like <laughs> as crazy as it sounds that you're protesting social distancing like they're not doing it out of like malice or whatnot. They're doing it because they are being affected by it. And that obviously is affecting their mental health as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think, um, so research, I think there was a study that was done around 2012, um, which showed that I just want to say the name of the study and I've gotten it here. Sorry. It's, mm-hmm. it's, increase in state suicide rates in the USA during economic recession. So according to that study, um, the 2008-2009 Great Recession in the United States revealed that a 1% increase in unemployment was accompanied by a 1% increase in the rates of suicide in the US. And that's a lot considering that in the US alone around 22 million or 20 million people in the last two weeks have filed for employment insurance. That's that's a huge number. so it, it's just it's just a very difficult time and uh for you know in our part as i said as we said before in our part of the world we're privileged to have this conversation around mental health but then there are the day laborers yeah the day laborers as in say in developing countries like i'm going to use Bangladesh as an example like rickshaw pullers or migrant workers in india say when i'm just going to use an example like i think they're in the movie the prime minister of india he, he i think he made a speech about everyone has to practice social distancing and this and then all these migrant workers, they rushed to go back to their villages. So there was this like massive amount of people trying to board buses and ships and this, and that is going to spread the virus, right? Because many people in the city, in big cities, they don't, they live in slums, high dense, high dense kind of places. And the probability that you're dealing with multiple families, like they can't socially distance. And on top of that, their wages are so low. Their one ride or one, say three hours of work in a day could be feeding their family for a for a week right so yeah. they need those incomes they need those hours like they're struggling just to get that one hour of rickshaw pulling in or whatnot and so i really think it's like social distancing i think world health organization like they've set out these measures right like follow these rules this much distance uh, stay home if you can but you can't it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of solution right no and and with with these day laborers in the developing countries their livelihoods have has essentially vanished overnight right yeah, they were exactly. working, they were saying bangladesh the rickshaw wallahs they're no longer able to ride the rickshaws for those who are wondering what a rickshaw is it's a yeah. very beautiful three-wheeler <laughs> uh ride uh best part of Dhaka city uh but yeah uh you're not able to you know take passengers on your vehicle anymore in your rickshaw so for these rickshaws your livelihoods have vanished overnight and they're feeding probably three to four or more members yeah. of their families they're so, like to have more kids in their family yeah so to think that they're and so as unfortunate as it sounds a lot of these day laborers in developing countries are worried that they will first they will die of starvation before they die of COVID nineteen. COVID nineteen, yeah. And, and that's so the thing. That's, so many vulnerable people are being put in that position where they're choosing between the risk of contracting COVID nineteen or the risk of losing everything. Yeah, and and 
it, you know, this is an issue I think that is pervasive in all developing countries from Asia to Africa to Latin America. And uh, what has to be understood is the amount of stress and uh, that a person goes through to think through that is, is insane. I mean, it really, you know, there is less conversation around mental health in developing countries. So this problem oh, yeah. is recognized less that a lot of these people will be plunged into uh, more mental health issues like anxiety and depression, which in yeah. the long run will affect them and their relationships. Yeah, because, you know, um, I'm not, I obviously don't want to make judgments here, but that could lead to, uh, in those kind of worlds, maybe the paternal society is more prevalent, right? So maybe the husband is out there pulling the rickshaw yeah. And so maybe if he's stressed about not being able to provide for his family, that could lead to domestic abuse because you're stuck at home all day, all everybody in this tiny little room or slum and whatnot. So there's so many underlying issues that these the people in developing countries don't even think about. Like mental health, if I talk to, if I probably go and talk to somebody in Bangladesh in the slum about mental health, they're going to be like, don't waste my time. I need to put food on my table, right? Yeah. But it's like, you can't deny that those are an issue there. It's just like... I don't think the Bangladesh government is going to care about mental health that much at this point, but but I um, so yeah, but coming coming back to you know how everyone is affected by this new reality. Yeah, um, new normal. So a study was done by a professor at the University of Toronto um, called, uh, sorry, the study was called The Synergistic Effect of Social Media Use and Psychological Distress on Depression in China During COVID-19 Epidemic, where they surveyed 3,000 people uh, living in mainland China. And according to the study, the results showed that the more time people spend on social media, the worse it is for their well-being and overall health, the more they feel bad about themselves and their lives. And to mm. explain that, what what the takeaway from that is moderation of internet use like it's important oh, yeah. to uh, moderate the amount of internet you're consuming in a day uh, yeah. because let's be real once you go on instagram once you go on tiktok or once you go on facebook you start scrolling from one click to another you kind of keep going on and it's like a endless time or like for the next thing yeah, you realize sure. in an hour you've been scrolling through things right yeah. or you're going through news and then you're scrolling through people's profiles you're either being yeah. upset about the world or you're being upset that you're not as productive as somebody else on instagram exactly and i think and i think uh it's really important to understand that um it's important for you during the physical distancing time to maintain your uh, relationships with your family and friends to communicate with family and friends because a lot of the time a lot of things that you're seeing on social media might not be um, uh, you know deep interpersonal connections you know it could be uh, different other people so seeing a different life on in social media being portrayed can make you feel like oh like I'm not doing enough or I should be doing mm-hmm. more or I'm not being productive enough so it's important for everyone to really use this time to communicate with family and friends and it should be meaningful interpersonal contact right rather than yeah. contact on social media um which is what the study showed that in these anonymous contacts on social media worsened your health because um say i mean i just think about it that say for example a random person if i see on facebook or tiktok or social media or instagram who is doing something really productive during their time right and maybe i'm messaging them and they're saying oh yeah you're, they're doing this but you don't know the further details of it right exactly. and that just makes you feel not good enough of making use for not making use of your time right now yeah no i completely agree with the making interpersonal connections that are actually meaningful because like you were saying like you can you can dm anybody on instagram and they might reply to you but it might be someone that you don't know that well it might be a blogger an influencer but i think it's really important that you reach out to your family and your close friends people yeah. who have had an impact on you because this is the time to reconnect and it'll honestly it will make you feel better that is someone who knows a part of you or knows the new you, the old you or whatever. And it's just going to make you, I think it's going to help a lot. Yeah. As opposed to talking to a stranger online. Yeah. But if and you do that, do that too. But like, do it all. <laughs> <laughs> Try it all. And I, I think one thing that needs to be understood is, is that COVID-19 has robbed us all from uh you know from our from structure and time in our life right and it's okay that if you feel anxious if you feel depressed if you're worried about your health uh about your family's health about job security and about the world in general and it's okay to not feel productive and not be productive because one thing that needs to be considered is that you know usually you know we human beings we like controlling certain aspects of our life right but unfortunately in this case all of these are external things that you can't really control. So it's important for us to really reflect 
on what we can control to ensure that we're able to sort of like, you know, anchor our boat during the storm and wait for it, wait it out while the storm passes, right? So because there are just so many other factors that we can't control, because we can't control the disease, we can't control the infection rates and everything. And the, we, what we can do is practice, of course, practice social distancing, uh, sorry, practice physical distancing, practice, uh, you know, do wash your hands frequently, don't yeah. outside, don't touch your face, nose, uh, try keeping your hands off your face, which mm-hmm. is very difficult. But, yeah, exactly. But I think we, we just wanted to give a few, wanted to share a few tips, um, some of which we've come up, uh, some of which we've found helpful um, that we wanted to share with you uh, that might help you get through this crisis time uh, mm-hmm. and help preserve your mental health and, you know, sort of anchor your boat as the storm passes. Mm-hmm. Um, the first of which uh, is to acknowledge your feelings and emotions. Um, it's really important to understand that what you're feeling right now is, 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 is like a little storm within your own head, right? Yeah. Uh, that you're trying to get adapted to this new reality. And it's important that and for some people, and, it, and how you react and how you feel, for some people it could be mild, some, for some people it could be a lot of anxiety. So it varies. Yeah. Regardless of how, whatever, to whatever extent you're feeling, it's important that you acknowledge that. You acknowledge that it's a new reality. It makes you a bit sad. It makes you upset that you can't see your friends or your family. Um, makes you upset that you could, you can't, you can't go to go about to, I don't know, to any place that you want to now. Go out to yeah, your favorite that, restaurant. That self awareness is very important as well. Like, like you were saying, like don't don't hate yourself because you haven't been able to do what somebody else has done. Like one thing that I always think about myself when in the situation is. Um, is that, you know, I, I, have, I work pretty much nine to five still. So when I come back from home, I see that many people have been reaching out to their old friends or some of my friends have been doing video chats. And I haven't been able to join in. And sometimes I do feel bad about that. But at the same time, it's like right after work, because I've had that nine to five and the only difference in my life now is that I don't have that social life anymore that I used to have. So I use that time sometimes to just rest and be with myself because mm. there's many things that I want to catch up on, just like maybe my thoughts. I want to catch up on just a little bit more sleep or I want to catch up on some more cooking, that regular cooking, not any fancy cooking that I'm trying out, mm. right? So I think it's just to be self-aware, like even though you feel, yeah, I'm feeling bad and feeling upset that I'm not able to do this, this, or I'm not as productive as this, 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 or I'm not as social as this, 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 but it's just good to know that this is what you need for yourself. And I know that this is not something that I'm 100% like happy with, that I'm being so like this, I'm not being as productive but that's something I can work on later. But for now, it's okay that I'm not. Um, and yeah, just my experience, like I've been working from home, but I think the first two weeks I was actually able to like keep like, you know, actually work from like, you know, not start at like nine and finish by in the evening, right? Mm-hmm. By the evening. But I think in the last two weeks, what I've really struggled with is that, that that's, that's no longer the case. For some reason during the day, I'm not able to focus on so breaking down my work into like chunks during the day, like late at night, I'm actually working. So mm-hmm. for me personally, I don't feel like I have a lot more time to do a lot of these, I don't know, yeah. cook new, new recipes. cooking recipes. Or- yeah and i mean i did do the dog on a weekend i had to photos but I, don't know again, I think but otherwise you know during the day i don't feel like because i'm not because i i'm still working right I'm yeah we all yeah home, right but uh i think for a lot of other people who are not working or just are at home and not working they have that time i really I don't find that for me. And, you know, sometimes when I do go on social media, I see a lot of people are cooking or baking or trying this at home or doing this. And Learning guitar. Yeah. And for some, initially I used to feel like, what am I doing with my time? But then I realized, I, and especially in the last two weeks, I realized that I can't force myself. You know, what I can, for me, it's just a lot that I'm able to keep working during this time. Um, and uh, sure, if I could have done those special recipes, great, but I can't. So, yeah. It's just me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Know yourself and be aware of how you're feeling, of what's making not making you feel good and what you need at that time. Yep. Because something's not making you feel good doesn't mean that you need to do it. But if you know that you want to do it, just make a plan to do it later. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think that um, a lot of wellness resources are out there for anyone who wants to um, sort of understand, um, you know, the mental health uh situation that people might be facing through this uh for example in canada for canadians uh the canadian government has set up wellness canada just google wellness canada it's the website which can give you more resources for uh, mental health experts that you can reach out to for help you know 
who can online help you right now um or you can get resources to articles uh, to just know about what you're feeling and kind of you know resonate with that and know further what you can do to help yourself um there are other apps out there um uh, for others who are in different other countries there are other apps out there like talkspace and better help which mm -hmm. are online essentially online counseling where a counselor online is helping you um so you can sign up for those apps um there are uh, meditation uh, apps such as Headspace and Calm mm -hmm. that you can download. Um, I think, Zara, you were mentioning something about Headspace. Yeah, um, they're actually giving out some of their meditations for free. Or yeah. you, can, you can access it through the, just download the app and you can access some free med meditations. And I think, um, oh, okay. okay. So, on yeah. it, so it'll help you. Not everything is free, but they are providing some things for free for people. Yeah. So, I, so and that I, they can, you know, use this during this time to use it. Yeah, and, and and even if you don't want to go on an app, uh, you can always just YouTube uh, uh, meditation videos um, yeah. help you with that. And uh, just sometimes I think what has personally helped me is uh, breathing exercises because uh, sometimes you can get just overwhelmed and quite anxious. And um, one thing that's really helped me is um, you kind of, it's, this is a breathing exercise size where you kind of you know breathe in through your nose uh, and count to like four seconds keep the breath in for like uh say another four or five seconds yeah. and then slowly release it um through your mouth for like eight seconds so as you're releasing it through eight seconds it's like imagine that you're kind of like getting everything out of your body and releasing it um so try kind of like meditation yeah, exactly. It is kind of like meditation, um, but and it, it's so simple, like just a breath that helps you so much. Um, and you can do it in between your work or even if you're just ho at home and you're just feeling so anxious, it'll take a few minutes, but it's really worth the time I found. Yeah. And then, you know, for me, um, right now, I'm, I'm still working from the office, as I was saying, but I found like during when I was in school and I was really stressed or when I'm at work and I'm stressed, sometimes I just go outside and like stare towards the sun or stare at like a green, some any greenery near me. Because yep. I think that really helps me. I think that's probably why a lot of people take nature walks when they're stressed yep. or even between work during this COVID-19 situation when they're working from home. But yeah, taking walks, I think really helps. Mm -hmm. And two main things that I have from talking to people and from doing my research and from just personal experience, the two main things that always helps when you're really feeling stressed, upset. And I know this is something that um, doctors as well recommend to people who have anxiety and depression, with my, uh, like diagnosed with anxiety and depression is to, maintain a like a checklist or to maintain a regular routine if possible like mm. not like a crazy routine I mean just like wake up at the same time go to bed at the same time or schedule like I'm gonna call my mom at this time every other day like some sort of schedule in your life so you can work everything else around it so you feel like because one of the main things that we feel like we're losing is control on certain yeah. there's change so what a routine or a simple checklist can do like a small simple routine and a small simple checklist can do is give you some sense of control I think which obviously uh, helps another one is exercise Speaking yeah. to that routine, um, sorry to just jump in. Yeah, no. Like, say, for example, um, what I found helpful, and I think I've found helpful for the people who work from home as well, is sort of like... Uh, <laughs> For me, this was such a such a small thing, but I realized that after the first two three days, I was like, it was very hard for me to focus at work in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, but I changed from my sleep clothes to sleep <laughs> home clothes, but not just PJs, right? Yeah, and that was really helpful because in your mind, you were actually changing, so you're not still in your like sleep zone kind of yeah you're actually gearing up to do something right yeah it's like you're preparing to take on exactly, the day. exactly. Yeah. and I think like you would when you go to work exactly exactly right uh, I know some people actually um, could do a complete like say makeup or whatever that they would do for work mm -hmm. uh, but I think another thing that could be really helpful is um, if you can place your do your work set up in a different room other than your bedroom um, oh, that helps me for sure yeah like I, I personally don't have that situation so I have a table in my own bedroom um, yeah. but if you have the ability to say set up in your living room or your dining room then do that that way you're actually also moving out of your sleeping or relaxing area yeah. or even if it's within your bedroom create that distinction either by you know your table being very elaborately like set up for work so you yeah. know the work zone and then the bed being just bed zone or comfort you know relaxing zone it's important to create these so within when you're home if you're working from home it's important to create these routines in these small ways yeah. uh, and even zara mentioned the walking breaks um i found them quite helpful that's a way of routine yeah, you really like those, yeah. yeah that's a way of routine for me that during, in the middle of the day I actually go out for walks you know I tell my team that say I'm not available 
between so and so and I go out for a walk for about an hour or an hour and a half oh, and nice. yeah, yeah. And luckily um, weather has been really nice it's spring here so the sun has come out in full force um, <laughs> Um, so I go around and I live in a neighborhood which is like really nice and suburban and then like 25 minutes from me you can uh, go to a different park um, I can see mountains and stuff so it's really nice and you know just soaking in all of that sun and then vitamin D it's really therapeutic so mm -hmm. I don't like walking so I don't take walks but <laughs> make sure I get that sun and green no, go somewhere closed I have yeah, you don't like walking it doesn't even have to be like an hour. It'd be just like a 10 minute walk break. Like you just yeah. get up, get, leave your apartment or your house and you go outside and like walk a few steps and essentially get some sun and then come back in to yeah. like refresh and rejuvenate yourself. And if you're lazy like me, like the second thing I was going to say, which is what most people have told me really helped them and what, what uh, doctors actually tell anxiety patients to do as well is the exercise. And I'm lazy, so I don't like exercising, but don't follow my advice. Do exercise because aerobic exercise is known to help you reduce your anxiety and to mm -hmm. really help you get out of anxiety, depression, and just a feeling of gloom, right? Yes, so ex aerobic exercise, yes. do it. It's that release of endorphins when you mm -hmm. kind of get like, like break a sweat. Um, like I have to do certain exercises for my back specifically. And uh, I realized that... Even some of those exercises actually it's, it's not intense but yeah. intense to the point that say i'm holding i don't know like a side plank it's, like, <laughs> it's hard yeah. and um it, 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 it breaks it breaks the sweat for sure so it definitely make gives you some endorphins that are released and yeah refreshes your mood really yeah you can even dance dance or do anything it doesn't have to be oh, yeah, the dance. gym or like weights or yoga yeah, i don't know <laughs> like whatever works for you mm -hmm. and on top of that make sure you're sleeping enough Make yeah. sure you're eating healthy, and by healthy, I mean like whatever's available to you. Don't go out of your way to get healthy food during this time. Kind of stick to the essentials and stick to what you like to eat. You know, don't try to eat anything that you think is healthy but you just don't like. Just eat stuff that you like that's also healthy. Don't yeah. gorge down on chips. Like speaking from personal experience, it doesn't make you feel good. So don't do that, yeah. especially during this time. You don't want to make yourself feel worse than you already do. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Like um, before this whole pandemic, I would actually do a lot of takeouts or mm -hmm. delivery food deliveries um but since then i have reduced significantly i do it less yeah but i and i try supporting local business to order from local places but um even then it's like you support know support yourself too yeah, so, exactly. yeah reduce the deliveries wherever you can exactly but uh you know even if we're eating healthy it's important to like even in, in your food habits try not like going to like a radical change with respect to your food like as much as you should eat healthy don't go to the point of like oh super healthy because it won't be sustainable you're, yeah you're, you're somehow associating this pandemic with like some radical change in your diet and yeah. i think it's, it's important that you eat healthy in a sustainable way exactly um, sustainable that's the word yeah and, and if you have cravings time to time do give in to them because you're already stressed about the world falling apart let's be yeah. real uh, self-awareness yeah exactly so if, if, if i don't know if ice cream or some candy or some cake just a bit of it of course not overindulge yourself but a bit of it helps you why not exactly yeah so sleep eat healthy and you know really do some enjoyable activities i think yeah. like like michelle was saying and i was saying before too don't feel bad that everybody's being so productive on instagram yeah <laughs> but you no know, this is this is a good time really like if you are working from home and you're able to take little breaks here and there while you're working if you can set a goal a day like i'm gonna do dishes today at three o'clock you know yeah. or Maybe today I'm going to maybe practice guitar for a little bit or I'm going to develop a new hobby that's like quick and easy mm -hmm. or do some enjoyable activities like, for example, taking a walk. So you don't have to be super productive. You don't have to be super like Instagrammable life, but you can do little things that you like here and there, but not make it like a pressure. Like I need this. I need to come out of this COVID-19 situation a star or develop this skill. But wherever you can, try to do some things that make you happy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Enjoyable activities, goals, hobbies. Yeah. And I think connecting to that, what makes you happy, right? Uh, like earlier, we were saying that, you know, rather call it physical distancing than social distancing because mm -hmm. you're just physically not able to see people. But you can still be social because you there are, like, use that social media time on social media to actually, like, not just scroll through things, but also connect with your friends and your families. Um, I know that... Uh, Zara and I, we both have, you know, have been in touch with our friends and even with our families through video calls and through check-ins. And uh, what I would suggest, even reach out to your extended family and relatives. Just yeah, I've actually been trying to do that. Yeah. yeah. 
Exactly. And I think it's important because those are the connections that will make you give you a sense of family during this time uh, rather than just scrolling on Instagram or TikTok or seeing endless TikTok videos, which by yeah. the way, it seems like everyone has become a TikTok fan <laughs> uh, with this COVID. And I don't know why it. I tried. <laughs> uh, we both did. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think it's really important that you, you know, stay connected to your friends and your families. And um, yeah. And then there's the news junkies like Maisha, who, who oh. goes through news all day. And yeah, she's like she's like the person in the group who's constantly sending news articles. So if you're like her, this is a time that can be very daunting for you because I think Maisha was saying like when she goes to a page that she like a website that she always finds news from, the first like oh god one whole minute of scrolling is COVID nineteen. Yeah, that and can it, be overwhelming. It, so Maisha, it, it, what do you do to handle? <laughs> I think overwhelming because you know, if I'm like reading if I'm really reading and even googling random stuff COVID comes up even you, if you google right now on a google search if you put something you will notice that before your search results COVID-19 alert yeah it definitely does up, right I and for example one of the sites that I read my news from is Guardian the Guardian right mm-hmm. and I think that's a great site and um but you literally have to scroll for like 20 seconds before you get to the non-COVID news because <laughs> there are other things still happening in the world that I'd like to read about. Yeah, um, I don't know. I'd like to read about what, uh, I don't know, Amazon is doing or something in tech that's developing, right? So it gives me anxiety to see so much of like COVID yeah. news. So I think in the first two weeks, I really struggled because as soon as I would read something uh, related to COVID, which is mostly negative, I would share it with different WhatsApp groups and, you know, my friends. And I realized that A, it doesn't help anyone. And I don't, I can't control any of this shit really. Uh, so what I tried, and I actually try doing this every day, I'm going to admit that I don't, I'm not successful every day, but I mm-hmm. try limiting the reading the news to 30 minutes a day. Um, and it's important to read news from credible sources. So read news from like if you read something crazy, make sure that you're verifying it across, say, two or yeah. three sources, just so you're not believing. Because especially with COVID being such a big thing as it is, a lot of misinformation is also flying around. So it's important that you're aware about the right things. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you limit it to, say, 30 minutes a day, you don't overstress yourself. Because what you're doing is you're telling your mind that, you know what, I'm giving you 30 minutes a day to read about all the shit that's happening with this pandemic and stress and worry about the world everyone dying <laughs> the economic collapse or jobs so you're you're telling yourself that it's okay to feel that and you're it's okay to read all of that but you do it during this time of the day and i'm going to give you guys give that part of your brain that anxious part of your brain all the time it needs but during only that 30 minutes of the day so it's like a compromise you're making within your speech with yourself and i found that quite helpful and i think for a lot of people who might be reading a lot of covid news because honestly even if you don't go on a news site covid has seeped into everyone's life yeah, through social media it's yeah. even on Instagram and TikTok and stuff. It's there. So limit your interaction with wherever you can see COVID stuff, right? It's, it's important because it, A, it distracts you and B, you can't control it. So what will help your mental health? All these things that Zara and I were, you know, suggesting as, uh, you know, advice that might help people. These are things that you can't control. Like Zara mentioned that, you know, if you have one goal a day, like mm-hmm. say do dishes, that's something you can't control. And what's the point of all this is you can control something at least yeah. during a time when we can't control a lot of things. So reading news just reinforces the fact that you can't control this pandemic, that there's a storm happening, right? So it's, it's important to limit yourself to news consumption during this time. I really think so. Yeah, for sure. Like you, you want to be aware, you want to know what's happening, but you really do have to limit it. And that's actually a positive that came out from me for this uh, COVID-19 situation. And I was just going to say, like, one of the best ways to make make yourself feel better is to think about the positives that are coming out of it. Like, I know for many people, the positives are, yeah, I'm going to, I'm excelling in this, I'm learning a new skill, blah, blah, blah. But one of the positives that you can really go through is that you, like, just realize what you've done. For me, something that I've done during this time is really try to curb my expenses because I'm, like, notoriously known as a bad spender. So what I've tried to do is control my spending and I've tried to, to just eliminate a few bad habits here and there. not a lot like I've got lots of vices but I've just tried to eliminate a few here and there and like I just want to get self-awareness so I go back and I think like have some introspection and be like you know this I'm going to keep after this 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 new normal is going to be my permanent normal mm. because I'm going to try to reduce my spending I'm going to try to do less this try to do less that so I think like while you're aware about all the negative news that's happening and the negative stuff about you and everybody's doing this that you're not 
just try to think about the positives. There must be something positive that have happened. Yeah. Probably everybody is experiencing during this time. Maybe you found an empathetic side to you, you know? Mm-hmm. And if and another way to maybe feel good about yourself is to donate, right? Or to do yeah. little acts of kindness. Reach out to someone you you know who doesn't like being alone, right? Yeah. Or again, donate, right? I, th- I think that, um, you know, I think research has shown that human beings actually are become more happy when they help others rather than helping themselves. And that's just us being honestly, that's what human beings are. We're social beings. We help each other and we survive by helping each other. Uh, and that has been the case for thousands of years. So it's important that, you know, during this time to be honestly, a lot of us can't help because the best thing that we can do and that we even to our listeners where we would advocate is please stay at home. Um, mm-hmm. because that's the best thing you can do to help people. But I know that a lot of times you might want to just go out there like because in other times you can volunteer or, you know, do something physically yeah. to help. But now it's like you're being told to kind of like suppress all that that you naturally your instincts and just stay at home so it can be frustrating so one thing that you could do is donate donate to there are many 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 places you can donate uh you can donate to the world health organization um you can donate to un different agencies who are mm-hmm. for example the un refugee agency who's trying to take care of help refugees in war yeah. areas uh you can also donate to your own uh country's national funds for example i know that in india the prime minister has set up a fund called PM Cares Fund. Uh, so, you know, Indians can donate to that. Or not only Indians, like anyone from across yeah. the world, you can donate for other countries, right? For example, um, Pakistan has a, a website called Project Give Back Pakistan, and uh, people can donate to that. Um, uh, in Bangladesh, for example, there are a lot of NGOs like the Jago Foundation who are, uh, uh, have set up like fundraisers where you can donate. Collection to centers, right? Exactly. Who are, say, for example, they're collecting, they're collecting food to supply to the families to the day laborers that we mentioned earlier like the rickshaws whose livelihoods have vanished overnight and their families are worried about dying from starvation so there are a lot of places that need money so even if you um as Zara said that because of covid a lot of people are staying in more so you are actually spending less so if you can afford to spend a little bit to help someone time, else yeah. yeah so donate we a little bit of your time or a little bit of your money definitely time is not easy to give at this time obviously exactly exactly so as as i mentioned earlier that you know we live in a time where we're not able to control a lot of these factors which are uh, you know coming out because of this pandemic but what you can control one of the things that you can control is say for example donating to these different agencies so please donate even if it's a little bit of money donate because what could for a lot of listeners if you're say in europe or north america or asia your currency could equivalent to a whole meal for a family of four in a developing country like Bangladesh. Like I know that in uh, one uh, 10 Canadian dollars is equal to one whole um, one week's meal worth for a family of four. Um, so please donate to help the people who need it most. Uh, also, if you have, um, if you know elderly neighbors in your building or yeah. fixed houses in your or sick neighbors exactly um you know and if you're a young person um you could volunteer to uh, help them with grocery shopping uh because a lot of elderly people it's harder for them to go to grocery stores now because they are the higher risk people the seniors are higher risk just by virtue of their age because uh, a lot of the corona covid 19 infected and patients who have not survived have been elderly um, yeah. above 70 years old um so you could volunteer to help them uh provide of course provided you follow physical distancing guidelines. Um, Another thing you could do is um, go donate blood to the blood donation centers. Um, A lot of, uh, right after COVID set in, for example, in Canada, um, they experienced, there was a, there was a, there was a fall in the number of people who were donating blood because they were so concerned about um, they, they could contract the COVID yeah. and they're donating, right? But afterwards, I think, you know, uh, government authorities have really um, helped and the blood donate, uh, Canadian blood services, they really made the facilities clean and social distancing measures were put in place. Yeah. By, you, know, you know, a lot of different places have really started like ramping up their hygiene game. Exactly. exactly. Probably, 
should be a yes, but I think yeah so donate blood so that would help people because at the end of the day even though COVID is the primary health pandemic right now there's still people who need who need blood blood transfusion or blood donation to keep yeah. to keep surviving like extremely critical patients uh, could be people who need emergency heart surgery or uh, brain surgery who need mm-hmm. the blood transfusions or the blood donation to survive so it's really important to donate blood if you're healthy and if you meet all the criteria it's not only yes. Canada, wherever you are, if you have the means to do it, like through regulated places, you can donate blood, please donate blood. Yeah, there's, a, there's actually, we use an app in my building and people have been kind of posting on there if they need help or if they want to offer their help to help do groceries. So I think one thing that has come out of this, and I'm really proud of us as a whole, everybody, is people are, you know, we, we really see how resilient people are and how caring and compassionate people are. You know, you said that humans are inherently social beings but more than that i've noticed that in humans are inherently very resilient and they're very they can come together when when they need to you know the mm-hmm. fact that majority of the people are following the social distancing rules especially for a place like vancouver where you don't get sun all the time but it's sunny outside and people are still trying to follow the rules to the best mm-hmm. of their ability and today could be questionable because i saw lots of people outside today but um in general like people are really coming together to help others and they're really pushing through this and I know whether it's economy whether it's um just our own just the way we are and our family that like we're going to be there for each other no matter what and I think that really makes me happy that that's a good note to end on I think yeah. so I hope you all take care of yourself because that's really important only if you take care of yourself can you take care of other people and can you take care of the economy so my my biggest wish is governments take mental health more seriously they fund programs after this passes to help people who have lingering effects of mental health mm-hmm. when they're recovering, whether they're recovering, whether their family is recovering, whether they're healthcare workers, whether they're vulnerable people or whether they're everyday people like you and me. Mm-hmm. And I really just hope that we can get through this, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vancouver's set to lift this ban hopefully by the end of May. We don't know yet, but I'm hoping, hoping everybody can get through this and we can slowly, slowly make a transition back to regular life, which I know will be very slow, but just hope for the best. Stay positive where you can. And I, we hope some of the tips that we've given out today can really help you. And they're probably simple stuff that you've heard everywhere. But hopefully us putting it together right now today can give you some perspective on yep. how mental health is important in this crisis. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, bye guys. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Hopefully we'll be back soon. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. <laughs>